It is 10.50 on this Thursday. Welcome back. And we're joined by Senator Marco Rubio. Senator Rubio, thanks for joining us. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you bet. Last time we were able to catch up, it was prior to Florida's primaries. And I'm curious to get your thoughts about what happened within our state recently. In terms of the primaries? Yeah, the outcomes in Florida's primaries that, uh, you know, what, what the sentiment is of voters, what you think it might mean come November. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, it's hard to extrapolate from a primary, which is an inter-party fight, you know, to, and, and in some cases, you know, there were no challenges. I had no primary challenge, or the governor didn't have it, you know. And so really, we're talking about a statewide Democratic primary for governor, basically, and then, you know, some competitive races across the state. So the first thing I'd point to is school boards, and many of those were like in Miami-Dade County. These are nonpartisan school board races, but people certainly had opinions and it's interesting to see that school board races which are you know traditionally been a backwater of politics in terms of like public attention they just haven't really gotten a lot of attention in the past uh, really became prominent which i think highlights the broader issue and that is i think there's a feeling in florida that the country is headed in the wrong direction and florida is headed in a much better direction and they want to see america led by people that will make it more like florida and not less like Florida, and every day brings example of it. You know, the violent crime in Chicago and in cities, I mean, literally, it's a daily occurrence, some of these things that are going on in these, in these lawless places. It's happening at the border, you know, the California energy meltdown where they want to force everyone to buy electric cars, but now they're telling everyone not to charge their electric cars. Right. So I think every day is a reminder of, you know, obviously we want the country to do well, but Florida has been sort of an oasis in, in on all those failures, and, and, and I certainly think you'll see people express that in November. Yeah, Senator, I think you bring up such a good point about the school board races in particular, because it, it really does seem like uh, there was a statement being made. To your point, you didn't have a high-profile uh, pro- primary for Republicans, and yet Republicans in Florida outvoted Democrats uh, d- despite that, including you know the, uh, the significant changes in many school boards, including Miami-Dade, as a result of it. And, you know, it does seem like, especially in Florida, where issues um, are, are brought forward, they're resonating with voters, where maybe messaging for Republicans nationally is struggling a little bit. How important, uh, you know, is it to to remain on point and what issues in particular do you think are most important for voters to consider right now? Well, I think that if you're Joe Biden and the Democrats, okay, and you have a country whose economy continues to dramatically underperform, I mean, I would not brag as they try to about the fact that gas prices are still substantially higher than the way they, the way they took over, the day they took over, and it's, you know, it's, it's still really painful for everyday Americans. I think we have, we're facing that challenge. We're still facing inflation across the board. Um, I think you're facing all those challenges to begin with. And then on top of that, you're facing some of the now repercussions of some of these crazy policies. You know, you don't put criminals in jail. You refuse to prosecute them. You're going to have crime surge. We have a catastrophe at the border, and Florida's feeling the impact of it as well. Seven, six, seven, eight thousand people a day just illegally enter the country. It's an unprecedented mass migration event happening on a daily basis that's extraordinary, right under his watch. They don't care about it. So they don't want to talk about any of those things. So they're going to try to find other issues to make the centerpiece of the campaign. And that's why you see Biden out there, you know, calling every Republican a fascist. That's why you see them sort of doing this, this series of events to try to stir up controversy and attention that they know the media starved for ratings. And so every day has to be about something new and outrageous. They want the debates to be about these other things and not about the core issues. 
And I think the Republicans, we have to continue to remind people, and myself included, that at the end of the day, if Joe Biden, if I was not in the U.S. Senate right now, he would have 51 votes in the Senate, and they would have gotten rid of the filibuster and then passed any law they wanted. They would have done $4 trillion of, of wasteful deficit spending to pay for all kinds of work programs. They would have packed the Supreme Court. There's all kinds of dramatic and permanent damage they would have done to the country. If just one seat in the Senate had turned out differently, uh, or, 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 and, and that's what they'll do if, if, if I'm not reelected as an example. So I think that's really an important point that people have to understand. You better have a check and balance on these people or they'll destroy this country. Yeah, Senator, I think you bring up many good points there, including causation for inflation. In many cases, it seems as though – uh, you know, you have the president, Democrats generally trying to act as though their actions with the, you know, record spending and uh, in President Biden's case, his direct executive actions on energy policy, for example, uh, that they didn't lead to the inflation that we had. That somehow or another it was just, you know, the pandemic or China, you know, supply chain or whatever. How important is it for you know, Republicans really to make that connection with voters that, hey, these direct policies over here resulted in that impact you're feeling at home. Well, I think it's important. I think voters have started to understand that. For example, if you have less of something and as many or more people that want it and you have less of it, the price is going to go up. And that's been the case on energy, right? We, it, you have, we, we're not producing enough oil. And we're not refining enough oil because we have an administration that's basically told the oil and gas industry, we're going to put you out of business. And they've told banks, don't lend them money and don't invest in these programs. So why would an industry expand capacity if they're being threatened that way and taken to court and prohibited? So you have less oil and natural gas, and the result is the price is going to go up. The same is true on the supply chain side. Uh, but it's also the demand side has increased. You pump a bunch of money into the economy, that money's going to be spent. And that money being spent means there are more dollar chasing fewer goods. The result is higher prices on everything. When energy prices go up, the price of everything goes up. But then on top of that, the price of everything else goes up that we're paying for. And it's the basic necessities. All right, we're not talking about flat screen TVs here or third cars. What we're talking about here is food, housing, clothing, all of these things. The price continues to go up on Joe Biden's watch. And it's not just that their policies created or exacerbated it. It's that it's not their focus. I mean, the person I'm running against, Val Demings, who's a congresswoman from Orlando, has been here six years. She says inflation is not her top concern, that, that, that she wants to put that in the corner for a moment and not really talk about it. So they've admitted that this is not their top concern, and, and you see it in the things they want to vote on and the things they want to focus on. Issues like abortion, you have a lot of focus on that right now, and uh, you know a lot of pundits out there suggesting that it's it's a headwind for Republicans. It's going to be an issue. Uh, a lot of women are going to break for Democrats because of the overturning of Roe and some of the action at states. How do you view abortion policy? Do you think that's a headwind or a tailwind? Well, for me, first of all, it's a moral question, right? Uh, is human life, what is human life, and when is it worthy of protection? And I believe all human life is worthy of protection. And, I, look, I don't ever pretend that it's an easy issue because you can raise some circumstances that are very, very difficult, and, and you understand it. But ultimately, it, the right to live, especially the right of an unborn, innocent human being to live, is a fundamental one to me. So I've never analyzed that through the lens of politics, and, and, I, and that's how I always viewed it. But I also remind everybody the only thing that's changed in America on that issue over the last year is that the Supreme Court has returned it to the voters. The Supreme Court has basically said, you, the voters, through your elected representatives at the state level, will now decide which abortions are allowed and which ones are not in your state. And then I point to the fact that Val Demings, Congresswoman Val Demings, my opponent for Senate, and a bunch of Democrats just like her, they and effectively support abortion on demand paid for by taxpayers. They support no restrictions on abortion. She goes around saying, oh, viability, but 
with a caveat that that viability should be up to the doctor and up to the patient. So what she's basically saying is that if a doctor and others decide that nine months into a pregnancy there should be this late-term grotesque procedure performed, that that should be legal. She is basically against any restrictions on abortion, and she thinks taxpayers should vote for it. That's an extreme position. That's outside the mainstream of what most people, even many people who call themselves pro-choice, would say should be legal. In Florida, we have a four-month ban. That means you can have, sadly and tragically, today there will be abortions performed in Florida because the overwhelming majority of them occur within the, fir within the first four months. After four months, you are now dealing uh, with an unborn human being who is capable of feeling pain and, and all sorts of other things, and that's why we have the law in Florida the way it is. That's a very reasonable law. Even the polling suggests it's a majority position. That's what the elected legislators in Florida decided. I would recognize that California and New York are probably going to have different abortion laws than Florida. So the only extremists on abortion are Democrats like Val Demings, who have a radical position that believe any abortion should be legal at any time in the pregnancy, even the day the child is due, and that taxpayers should have to pay for it. Senator Marco Rubio, uh, we're up against it, but I would be remiss. NFL season starts today. Dolphins record this year. Ten and six. Sounds being, good. You know, I mean, look, I don't even know why I'm setting myself up. I should have said seven and nine. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's, I mean, look, I think there's a lot. It's probably the best offseason they've had in a decade, uh, but it has to translate to the field. And, um, you know, the margin for error in the NFL is, is very, very small. You're one injury, a couple mistakes away from losing a bunch of games. So, but look, here's my, what I've gone into the season saying is I'm going to be very pessimistic so that I can be nothing but either, uh, so that I can be nothing but pleasantly surprised. There you go. All right. U.S. Senator and future NFL Commissioner Marco Rubio. Always <laughs> oh, appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> That's real power right there. All right. Thank you. Brian Mudshed, News Radio 610 WIOD. When news breaks.